following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten podcast. Here's your host, Jake Pratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. L. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts at Herd and Ten, or just search Herd and Ten, and it will come up. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. If you want daily content or almost daily content, check out either our Instagram or Facebook pages. We're constantly posting Buffalo Bills related content. As well, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts please give us a five-star review. It will help get listeners finding our show. Let's get right into this week's topic, and that's the defensive end. Let's talk big news here. As of this point in time, the Bills have not signed a big superstar defensive end, and J.J. Watt did just sign a deal. Now, before I get into the deal details, I just want to note that J.J. Watt and all the news that was surrounding him was that the Bills were a top option and that he was really only looking at contenders. He was looking at Green Bay. He was looking at the Bills. I think he may have considered Kansas City, but I don't necessarily think it was a top option for him. I think for him, it was really important to go to a real contender. And I would argue he didn't. He didn't end up doing that. He ended up, what it seems like, signing for as much money as he possibly could. He went to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are a contender. I don't think they're a bad team, but they're certainly not a great team. So if he felt like he needed to sign with the best team possible so he could have a shot at a Super Bowl, I call him a liar because that's not the case. He didn't sign with a top team. And in fact, the news that broke talking about the deal that J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals, noted that the Bills were the top contender in that. They were the biggest competition in that. Now, it doesn't specify what the Bills offered, but the point here is he had a offer from the Buffalo Bills, and he didn't take it. And instead, he took a deal for the Arizona Cardinals, who, in my opinion, are nowhere near contending for a Super Bowl. I just don't think they're there. I think they could be in time. They have a great young quarterback. They have a lot of key players, but they're nowhere near the level that they would need to be to win a Super Bowl. Look, if I'm wrong at the end of the season, so be it. But honestly, at this point, it's a little ridiculous that he signed with the Cardinals when he kept saying he wanted to leave Houston and he wanted to sign with a team that could actually win. Well, he didn't do that. He went where the money was. And he got a huge deal. He signed a $31 million deal two-year deal with $23 million guaranteed. I'm happy the Bills didn't sign him. 
Because if it was going to cost that much, I don't want it. And I talked this just a few weeks ago. If it was going to be in that 50, 15 plus million range per season, I didn't want anything to do with him. So I'm happy the Bills didn't get him for that. I think that they can get comparable players for a much better price. I talked about Vaughn Miller, and I'm going to talk about another veteran option. One that's been noted as a potential other player to fill that defensive end role. And that's Justin Houston. If you don't know who Justin Houston is, he's a veteran defensive end who's had a great career. He's played most of his career with the Kansas City Chiefs. And most recently, he was in a two-year deal with the Indianapolis Colts. And I think he was making about $12 million a year. Now, in those two seasons, he was pretty good. Uh, I got the numbers right in front of me. He had 11 sacks in 2019. He had eight sacks in 2020. Six assists in 2020 and 25 combined. And then in 2019, had 11 assists and 44 combined. So, give or take, he's been producing, we'll call it 10 sacks a year to round it out. He's had some monster seasons. Way back in 2014, he had 22 sacks. 2013, had 11 sacks. He's had some really big seasons. Now, he's 32 years old. He's obviously not going to be a 22-sack guy. He's not a, he's not a mach- sack machine anymore. But he's clearly still really good. If he put eight sacks with the Colts, I'm impressed with that. The Colts had a good defense, and he played a significant part in that. And I feel like he could be a great option for the Bills. I feel like every week I'm just talking about different defensive end options or linebackers. And I, and I should note, I made a mistake calling Vaughn Miller defensive end last week because technically he's a linebacker or an outside linebacker. I mean, I don't know if it's really a mistake because the majority of the time he's actually played in the position of an edge rusher. So maybe it was fair for me to call him a defensive end, but I just wanted to clarify that this week. But I keep talking about this position because it's something that the Bills need to fill. It's a hole that they have to fill. And the Bills are clearly willing to spend money. If they were the runner-up in signing J.J. Watt, they were obviously serious about putting out money. And we don't know what they offer, but they obviously put something pretty good on the table if they were the runner-up. And that means that they're going to be looking for other guys. And I just think Justin Houston could be a great option. And he's also not going to command that much. I think you're probably going to pay him in 8 to $10 million, which is really what I wanted the Bills to pay J.J. Watt if they were going to get him. Fine, we don't get J.J. Watt. I would be happy to take Justin Houston for 8 to $10 million because he's definitely better than Mario Addison. And Addison's making somewhere in that range. I don't know off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. He's making, I think, 8 or $9 million. So really, no big deal there. I would love to bring in a guy like Justin Houston. Also feels kind of good bringing in a, a veteran who played on the Chiefs for so long. Maybe he can help the Bills. Maybe he knows some stuff. But regardless, he gets to the quarterback. And he's still youthful enough. At 32, there's still enough left in the tank that I'm convinced he'd be worth that type of salary. I want to jump to another position here and that's the running back position because the bills have some guys under contract and they have some unrestricted free agents and there's guys floating around and of course there's the draft the bills need to solve this issue at this moment in time the bills have Devin Singletary Zach Moss 
Christian Wade, and Antonio Williams under contract. Are any of those names jumping off the page as a starting running back in the NFL? I think at this point in time, no. Devin Singletary had a great rookie season, had a terrible sophomore season. Zach Moss had an okay rookie season, obviously was injured a lot, so don't really know. Christian Wade, not ready. Antonio Williams, he's had one really good game. He's only played one game. He had a good game. But none of these guys have proven that they can be a real starter. Maybe running back by committee, but even that, we know that with running back by committee, which they tried last season, it didn't work. Neither Singletary or Moss did a whole lot. And the Bills need to solve that. They do have some unrestricted free agents in Taiwan Jones and TJ Yeldon. Now, Taiwan Jones is more of a special teams player. TJ Yeldon, third string running back. That's really what he is. That's what he's become in the NFL. And he can't necessarily be more than that. To be honest, I like Yeldon's receiving ability. I think he's pretty good out of the backfield when it comes to catching. He's like having another receiver problem is he doesn't bring anything else as a third running back to not even have special teams abilities he's not that fast he's not a great running back he's got fumbling issues I I don't know if the Bills are going to keep him I have no idea what I'm more interested to see is how the Bills are going to solve this problem and if they're going to solve this problem are they really going to go into next season with the basically the same running backs they had last year I don't think so I think they're going to have to do something there. It's probably not going to be as drastic as what I'm hoping the Bills are going to do with their defensive line, right? I'm hoping they're going to bring in a star player. Could be a veteran who's not quite as good anymore, but is still really good. I don't know if the Bills are going to bring in anything like that for the running backs. Like the more time goes on, the more I just doubt it. I feel like they're going to try to get savings where they can. And just rely on what they have. I think they'll bring someone in. I just don't know if they're going to make a big splash there. And I don't want the Bills to spend a lot of money either. That's always the trick here. The There were reports that the Bills could potentially be looking at getting Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. That would be amazing. But he's making a ton of money. And the Bills would have to give up a ton to get him. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. I don't know if that would be good. It would be awesome to get him, but the amount that you're going to have to give up to get him might not be worth it. You're going to sacrifice so much of your future to get him, and I just don't think that that makes sense. I also don't love the idea of paying a running back a ton of money. When you look across the league, a lot of the top teams, look at Kansas City. They didn't really have any big-time running backs making big-time money. Look at Tampa Bay. They didn't have big-time running backs making big money. They had good running backs. Both teams have good running backs, but they're all on small deals. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that the Bills definitely need to bring someone in, but they need to be very conscious of that salary because I don't think if they're going to bring in a guy and pay him four, five, six million a year, honestly, I don't think the Bills should do it. They have too many holes to fill to bring in an expensive running back. And then it's the next position. You have the wide receivers. Of course, the Bills have a very strong receiving core, but they do have some unrestricted free agents, Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie. I've talked about those guys enough. I think in both scenarios, whether they keep them, they don't. 
Neither of them are going to break the bank, but I think that the Bills will be lucky to keep one, and I hope that it's Isaiah McKenzie. And then we move on to another position that definitely needs some significant help. Like the defensive line, the tight end position needs significant help. At this moment, they have Dawson Knox and Lee Smith under contract. That's it. You have an unrestricted free agent in Tyler Croft. I don't see the Bills keeping him. He wasn't bad when he played, but he barely ever played. He was always injured. Dawson Knox, maybe he's going to get better. Haven't seen a whole lot from him yet. And then Lee Smith, at this point in time, it actually sounds like he might be retiring. So the Bills are going to have to bring in a few guys in the tight end position. The question is, how much do they believe in Knox? Personally, and you'll know this if you've listened to previous episodes, I don't believe in Knox. I think he's an okay tight end. I don't think he's a great tight end. In fact, last season, I predicted that Tyler Croft was going to be our savior, that he was going to be our top tight end. That didn't happen, but Dawson Knox did not explode on the scene the way people thought he was going to. Or he exploded on the scene in his first season, and in his second season, his follow-up was subpar. He did not look very good. He had a lot of inconsistencies. His hands were not consistent. He dropped the ball often and he wasn't a great blocker. So I think that the Bills are going to have to do something there. And maybe it means shelling out some bigger money. I feel like really when you look at it on the Bills receiving core, they only need one more thing and it's a really good tight end. And they just, they need to fill that. And I don't know if I believe that it should come through the draft because I don't like the development aspect of that. And I talked about that last week. I think the Bills need to look to bring a better player in. Maybe Jonu Smith from Tennessee. He'd be a really good fit. He's got speed. He could add a new dynamic pass-catching option for Josh Allen to throw to. I would love to bring a guy like that in. And let Knox work on his blocking Let him be the backup. Don't put all that pressure on him. Maybe it's too much pressure for Knox. Now we're going to jump to the final position group that needs a lot of help because I'm not going to talk about every single position group. Of course, we know the cornerbacks, there needs to be something solved there. It's probably going to come through the draft. The linebacking core, it's probably going to come through the draft because the Bills just don't have that kind of money to spend on all those positions. But a huge issue is the offensive line. You have Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, Trey Adams, and Jordan Devey all under contract. The unrestricted free agents are John Feliciano, veteran guard, who has also shown that he could potentially play center. You have Daryl Williams, right tackle, had an amazing season. You have Ty Niseki, backup, left or right tackle, basically whatever the Bills need. And you have veteran guard Brian Winters who didn't really pan out. I don't see the Bills keeping Brian Winters. I think they're going to let him walk. I think they hoped he could solve their issue, especially when John Feliciano was injured early on in the season. I think they hoped Winters would be good enough. I would argue he wasn't. So I don't see them keeping him. Ty Nisecki, I mean, I would love to keep a guy like that because... He's very versatile, and every time he's come in, he's been a really solid tackle. Problem is, he's really old, and the Bills just don't have a lot of money to keep an old guy around who's not really playing. He's a backup, but he's a really good backup. So it's it's a tricky thing. I think when you're at this level, 
when you're close to a Super Bowl and you're close to that cap, you can't keep luxury players. Niseki is a luxury player. I don't think the Bills are going to keep him. Daryl Williams is an interesting one. I think that they are going to keep him. I think they need to keep him. And I think the Bills should keep John Feliciano. And I think they should let Mitch Morse go. A lot of you might not like that. And I talked about this a few weeks ago with Matt Marchese of Sportsnet. He talked about that too, that Mitch Morse maybe is on the outside looking in. He's making a ton of money. He's had nothing but concussion issues. And John Feliciano wasn't bad at center. And I feel like if you can get John Feliciano, who can play guard if he needs to, can play center if he needs to, maybe it's okay. And honestly, you if you're going to have to pay him a little more, I would do it because he can play center. Maybe he's our center. And if there's an injury or, or something else and we need to shift things, he can play guard. That versatility, to me, is worth the extra money. I'm also convinced Feliciano will be reasonable. I think he really wants to stay in Buffalo, and I think he'll take a cap-friendly deal. Daryl Williams, on the other hand, is going to get paid big time. He's a really good right tackle, and I think the Bills need to keep him. And if they're not planning on keeping him, they better be ready to draft high for a right tackle, maybe even trade up. I know we don't like trading up for positions other than quarterbacks. It, it tends not to be a great decision. But for a right tackle, I just if you lose a guy like Daryl Williams and you're a pass-happy team like the Bills and you have Josh Allen, you need a right tackle and a left tackle. You just you Those two need to be solidified. And if they're not going to keep Darrell Williams, they're going to have to sign either another really good veteran and shell out a ton of money, or they're going to have to take a guy in the draft. And it can't be a late pick. We need this guy to be ready now. We can't have a project. It's okay to have projects for other positions, specifically maybe on defense. You want to work on some guys. You want to get them better. I, I get it. But on the right tackle spot, we really, really need to get a guy who's NFL ready. And I don't know how easy that's going to be. I would rather just keep Daryl Williams and know that we have that locked up. So I'm hoping that the Bills keep him. I just honestly, I have no idea what he's going to get paid. He's going to want a lot of money. and He's going to want a lot of years and a lot of guaranteed money. But honestly, he's worth it. He was really good last year. And if we have Deion Dawkins on the left, Darrell Williams on the right, I'm feeling pretty good about the Bills line, even if they can't keep Feliciano. Even if they have to cut Morse and then draft some other guys and maybe bring in some veterans that aren't superstars, honestly, the tackles to me are the most important. If you have two really good tackles, your line can manage. And I'm not saying you can have junk in the guards positions and the center positions. But you need to have those two tackles, those two anchors locked in. And I've said this before. Those two tackle positions are the anchors. Without those, you have nothing. It's like you have no offense without a quarterback. You have no O-line without good tackles. So to me, a priority for the Bills needs to be to sign Daryl Williams. So that's it for this half of the episode. The second half, we have an exciting guest coming on, and that's Samantha Bunton. She is the sports director for NBC Sports. She's also a radio host for ESPN Radio. So she's got a whole slew of knowledge about anything NFL football. I'm excited to have her on. 
I think she's going to have a ton of great stuff to talk about. We're going to cover some topics that are just related also to the AFC East, where the Bills fit in there. If the Bills need to be worried about the Patriots, the Jets, the Dolphins, and get her thoughts on the division as a whole. After this quick break, we will be back talking with Samantha Bunton from NBC Sports. Thanks. It's the gift-giving season, and now there's a great card game that gives you action on any televised football game you watch. Just add your family, friends, and fun, and you have The Drive. Playthedrive.com. If you miss The Drive, you miss the party. Playthedrive.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. This has been a crazy year with a lot of changes. Good changes like the Patriots not sitting at the top of the AFC East. But this year has certainly brought some challenges and has made it harder for us all to connect with our fellow sports fans. If you're a big sports fan like me, then you need to join this new sports fan community called Playing the Field. Playing the Field has developed a dating and community app centered around our sports fan lifestyle. It is a great sports-focused interface from their profile trading cards in your favorite team's colors down to their bubblegum in-app currency. The best part is that right now, while they're still in beta, it is 100% free to join. And you also get extra in-app bubblegum that you can trade in when their premium features get added in a few months. Go to playthefielddating.com and sign up now to buddy up, recruit teammates, or find your MVP. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, The Fan Experience, where they interview sports fans just like you and me and let them share their fan experiences. The Fan Experience is live Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can catch the replays on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can't have a team without a mate. Go and find one now at playthefielddating.com. Welcome back to the Herd in 10 podcast. I am joined by an exciting guest in Samantha Bunton. She's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. So she knows her stuff. She's very focused in football. So Samantha, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your content? Uh, Sunday Night Football, of course, although we are on hiatus. Uh, for the off season but in the meantime you can check me out on twitter it's just my name samantha bunton i'm also the co-host of the brawl 22 which is the national nfl show for the brawl network so you can find me there as well awesome so let's jump right into what appears to be an interesting off season for the buffalo bills because they have some positions to fill but not a lot of money to fill them with And of course, they have three other rivals in the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, and of course, the Miami Dolphins. What's your take on the Bills this offseason? Maybe the AFC East as a whole. Can we confidently feel that the Bills are still going to own the AFC East going into the 2021 NFL season? I think it's the Bills division to lose. 
And while I think this division is a lot more competitive and a lot more intriguing than it has been in recent years where it was just Patriots, Patriots, Patriots all the time, um, I think you have four teams who are in the conversation. Um, it's a little bit hard for me to get behind the idea that the Jets might be a player in this. Uh, and it's honestly a little bit hard for me to get behind the idea that the Patriots will be a player in this. However, I learned you should never count out Bill Belichick. Um, Miami, uh, I think you've got to keep an eye on what the Dolphins are doing there. Um, some of that is going to depend on what they do in the draft and what else they do in the offseason. But Right now, as it stands, I don't see any reason to think the Bills don't go into next season as the favorite and no reason why they won't continue to be the team that has the best talent in this division and the one with the best chance to win the division in 2021. As for their own offseason, you mentioned the money. I know Brandon Bean came out and said they were going to be, quote, less aggressive than they had been in the past, which makes sense. It's sort of the natural progression of things when you become a more successful team then inevitably you are going to creep up closer to the cap and we have a weird situation this year too where the cap increase is not going to be as big as it has been in the past and we don't even know as of right now exactly what that number is 175 million is the estimate i actually think it's going to be a little bit higher than that which would give the bills a little bit more wiggle room but Still, you're going to be pretty tight to the cap which is pretty common for teams that have begun to find success yeah, look, we know the salary cap's going to be tight. Of course, the floor being 175, like you mentioned, some other analysts have mentioned, it could be somewhere in the 180 to 181 million, which would give a little breathing room. But the Bills are in a tight position here, but there's still a lot of things they need to fill. What I want to get your take from here is what do the Bills need to solve that could make up for maybe not solving everything. Now we know that there's a lot of different positions and every team's got it. You're, you're going to have players leaving. You have guys getting older, you have salary cap stuff. You may have to cut certain players. There's a whole slew of different positions. The bills need to fill. Of course, we know linebacker defensive line, offensive line. There's some specific pieces there that may be leaving. Is there someone that the bills could bring in that would make up, for all the pieces that we'll lose? Is it maybe keeping Daryl Williams? Is it maybe signing a superstar lineman or linebacker? Could one player change it all? Or do the Bills really need to be like what Brandon Bean's saying, not aggressive and just try to bring in a bunch of players and play a sort of combined effort or team effort? Somewhat what we saw with the running back position, is that what we should expect? that there's going to be more committee efforts rather than bringing in superstars? That would be my guess. I think once you get to a level of success that is sort of commensurate with where the bills are at right now and you have sort of the salary demands of a team that has found that level of success, it's not necessarily the best move to go out and go after a superstar. Now, I know that they were part of the J.J. Watts about sweepstakes, and of course, you would have been happy to land J.J. Watt, and you would have figured that out within the framework of the cap. You can always find the money, and so the salary cap is, of course, a little bit of a myth in that way, and that every team is pretty much able to find the money when they need to do something like that. They will figure it out. 
What you don't want to do, I think, is go out and splash a whole bunch of money on a superstar and then start making cuts or start not addressing smaller issues that you have in order to find that money for this one person and then leave yourself with sort of the smattering of smaller holes which start to add up, particularly if you have a depth issue in a certain position group or if you have injuries. Um, if you want a specific name, I, I love the idea of going after Yannick Gakwe. Um, that seems like a good fit there. Um, I think there's maybe some work to be done at corner, the offensive line. You know, there's some restructure potentially that might need to go on there and probably can't keep everybody. So probably going to be looking at a little bit of a down ballot type of replacement, at least somewhat there. And, and these are things you can address in the draft too, which is the other thing I think we tend to forget about that we don't have to fill everything through free agency. There, This is a team that has drafted well in the recent past. There's no reason to think they can't go after some of this stuff at this point. And I know a couple of weeks ago, I think you mentioned Leonard Fournette, which is about as big of a splash as I would think they could reasonably make. And some of that is going to depend on, you know, what is Fournette really demanding? He is not a guy who I think is going to be taking a big discount in order to play for a contender. The dude just won a Super Bowl ring. He doesn't need to do that. So it's a little bit tough, I think, financially, but I do think that's a really sort of a smart way to look at it in terms of, well, if you were going to go for somebody who was a little bit of a, a splashier sort of kind of a star type of free agent to bring in, I think that is probably a really good call. Yeah, the Bills are in a tough situation here. They have some holes to fill, but the question is, how do you fill them? Do you fill them with stars and, and break the bank and then have to let go other guys, or do you try to just fit guys in? I mean, We've seen what the Patriots have done in so many years and decades. They had a formula. They had a couple really good guys and everyone else didn't matter. And they can go in and out. And it's basically a revolving door of receivers and whoever else. Now, no one's saying Josh Allen is Tom Brady. We don't know what he's going to become. We know he's a good quarterback. We don't know if he's great. So you're still going to need receivers like Stefan Diggs. You're going to need some other guys to really step up. Maybe we're going to see that in the tight end position, whether they bring someone in. Maybe we're going to see Dawson Knox finally get to the point where we can believe in him. But then you have a guy like John Brown. Does John Brown still belong in the mix? Because you can't keep everyone. And you said it. If you want to bring in guys or you don't, you're still going to have to make some difficult decisions. And I personally am a big fan of John Brown. But the fact of the matter is you can't have digs. Beasley, Brown, all, all these guys, especially when the Bills have proven that they can draft a guy in Gabriel Davis in the late rounds and he can do the trick. So do you let a guy go like John Brown? Do you move on from him? Do you take away some of those pieces that have worked in the past and let them go to bring in new pieces? To me, that's what good teams do is they're not afraid to, and I, I know we're all sort of beholden to the, the Patriot model that oh, nobody matters and everyone is expendable. And it's, if any, we're not all copying that, right? We can't, it, it's people have tried and failed and that's not how it works. But to me, John Brown is probably one of the first people I would let go of. And this is nothing against John Brown. And it's not because John Brown is bad or John Brown is not useful. But if we only cut players who were lousy at their jobs, then this, we wouldn't have these hard decisions to make, right? It would be very, very simple. And nobody would ever part with a good player and there would be no good free agents. So unfortunately, the, the cap makes us look at things like 
like this, where you look at a guy who has been productive, but who's also expendable. And you mentioned Gabriel Davis, and that to me is where the Bill situation is different from a team that maybe doesn't draft as well. If you're confident in what you can do in the late rounds, and, and to that end, you're also confident in the ability of your front office to pick up guys who are a little bit under the radar off of the open market who might be able to be productive and who knows, you know, maybe you want to throw a little bit more focus at the tight end position. You know, you mentioned Knox, just incredibly frustrating. And you don't know how much stock you put in that. I've seen Hunter Henry's name has been bandied about a little bit connected to the bills this off season. I don't know that I think getting rid of John Brown and bringing in Hunter Henry is the correct way to sort of redistribute offensive weapons. But I do think that, you know, good front offices know when to cut bait with a guy not just because he's unproductive, but maybe because he's no longer the right choice, whether that's financially or in terms of scheme for your team at the time. Yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense. And I think we all know this. Brandon Bean has got some really difficult decisions to make this offseason, and it's not going to be easy. It's funny because we think that you become a GM, you do a really good job, that means you're set for life. But the thing is, he's got to keep doing good things. It's what did you do for me lately? What have you brought to the table for me lately? So it's great. The bills are trending in the right direction. They're getting better every season, but it's only going to get harder. Brandon Bean's job originally was to clean house and start fresh. Now he's built that entire house up into a mansion, and now he's got to start trimming that mansion back down. So it's not going to be an easy feat, and it's really probably going to come down to one huge player who's probably going to get a huge payday. And I want to talk about him as our final topic. And that's Josh Allen. I want to have a little fun here with you and see if you think and provide your opinion. And of course, this is hypothetical, but if the bills can sign him and if they do it this year, or if they do it next year, is it going to be a monster deal? Is it going to be a deal that Patrick Mahomes got? Are we talking like a 10 plus year deal? Are we even talking about maybe he'll get a percentage of revenue of the team so they can lower his cap? Is that even allowed? Hey, that depends who you talk to. There's something I would love to be a fly on the wall in the, the Patriots organization about. Um, how do you compensate somebody without actually compensating them via the salary cap? All kinds of interesting and creative ways I think that you can go about that, that we will probably never find out about unless somebody gets caught violating a rule with respect to that. But Yes, um, I, I think Josh Allen is absolutely going to get like a bank breaker contract, um, and he should. And the, the way the market works is, you know, it's tough because the Patrick Mahomes right now, that's the standard. But the way that the quarterback market works is that it's not just right now, probably the best guy in the league is getting the most money. But that's not always the way it works. You know, there was a point where Matt Stafford was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and he was not the best quarterback in the NFL at that point in time. He was just the next man up. And as inflation goes up, as the amount of money on the table, this is all connected to the cap as well, and just to sort of the increase in revenue overall of teams of the NFL, that the money goes up and up and up as do the years. And so it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, well, he's going to get the second highest contract of any active quarterback because he's the second best quarterback in the NFL or wherever you rank him, it's going to be probably 
the highest one at the time, I would guess, at least in terms of AAV, if not necessarily in terms of total. And some of it's going to be about the guaranteed money too. You know, how much are they really willing to lay out there in guarantees and how much is he willing to accept or not accept in guarantees? And some of that too is, it's not just this cap or the next cap. It's how is this going to affect your cap and your dead cap five or six years from now? I mean, talk, somebody should probably talk to the Steelers about this, right? Like, here's what happens if you don't think forward about what it will do to your dead cap if your quarterback starts to decline. Josh Allen's got a long way to go before he's going to have any kind of decline like that, like a really, really long way to go. But it is something you have to think about on the back end of the contract in terms of how you structure it and what the total guaranteed money is. Yeah, for sure. Him being young does make this easier, right? We've seen that with some other teams with older aging veterans that now that player isn't very good, but he's still taking up a huge chunk of the salary cap and you can't move him. You can't trade him because the fans will go crazy or you can't trade him because no one's willing to take him at that price point and you end up with a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I hope that the Bills aren't going to end up in that situation. I hope that it's probably more like a Patrick Mahomes type situation where he's still young. He has so much to give. No matter how many years you give him, he's likely still going to be able to sign another deal after that. Now, it might not be as large of a deal, but it certainly will be a substantial deal even after the fact. So that's obviously a huge plus for the Bills. But like you said, they really need to consider how much they're willing to guarantee because the less they guarantee, the higher that AAV is probably going to be. So we'll have to see what's going to happen. Of course, there's a lot of different things here because it also depends on what Josh is willing to take and how badly he wants to stay in Buffalo because he's talked about how he wants to play the rest of his career in Buffalo and that he wants to be here for years to come. And that's all great to say, but put your money where your mouth is, right? Sign a deal that doesn't kill your team. That's, I guess, my hope is that he signs a big deal, but it doesn't completely destroy our ability to sign anyone. And it doesn't instantly make a guy like Diggs even potentially expendable. That, that's the hope, is that you don't have to lose your best players just to keep Josh Allen. So we'll have to see what happens. But Samantha, I, I appreciate you coming on. I think our listeners will love hearing your thoughts, you know, not being a Bills fan, getting that outsider perspective, hearing how positive you are about the Bills and their future is nice to hear. And if anyone wants to check her out again, go on Twitter, check her out at Samantha Bunton. She's also got her own podcast that covers all NFL topics. So if you don't just want Bills topics and you want something outside of that, check out her show, Brawl 22. It's part of the Brawl Network. She does great things there too. It's, it's a great show. So Samantha, thank you so much for coming on and definitely would love to have you on again to talk more Bills and the AFC East football. Absolutely. My pleasure, Dave. Thanks so much for having me.